This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So that meant that for me to become a Jew again simply meant that I had to renounce Jesus. Renounce him how? That he is as he's described in John chapter 1, the eternal one, the creator, the God who came to earth as a man, the Messiah, the only sacrifice to take away sins, all of those things. So then I decided to call the Jewish agency in, in Jerusalem itself, who's responsible for sending my application over to the Ministry of Interior, and get a final decision. I said, fine, if that's it, I'll get a final decision, then I'll be disclosed that chapter. And I spoke with Dahlia, and Dahlia asked me, what's your tie to Judaism? Well, you know, what I'm in my tie to Judaism. I was born a Jew. I'm still a Jew. You know, last time I checked anyway. And I found no reality in the synagogue. And then she asked me, what do you believe? So I told her, I said, I believe in Jesus. She said, as soon as I said the name Jesus, there was like a shot of fire came flashing over the phone there. Instantly, she said to me, Isn't, citizenship is not available to you. And that was the end of the conversation. Why? Because for a Jewish person to believe in Jesus is viewed in spirit like a crime. And that's why the Lord Jesus gives this strong warning in verses 32 and 33. This is the context that it has to be looked at to understand. He's speaking to Jewish believers in him who are being sent out to the Jewish people who view what they've done as believing in Jesus as a crime. And so he's warning them, don't be ashamed. King David said in Psalm 119, verse 46, he said, I'll speak of your testimonies before kings and will not be ashamed. Paul said in this subject being ashamed, he said in Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And being ashamed of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus actually addressed this in Mark 8.38 when he says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me 
and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's like the hymn puts it, Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee whom angels praise? whose glory shine through endless days. Jesus, may this my glory be that he's not ashamed of me. The Lamb of God, my Savior slain, he washed me clean from sin's dark stain. So when the Lord Jesus says he's going to be ashamed of those who are ashamed of him, when the Lord Jesus says he's going to deny those who deny him, he's talking about the worst words that a person could ever hear. And those worst words are in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, we already saw them, that a person can ever hear is when the Lord Jesus looks at a person and says, I never knew you. I never knew you. There's no words worse than that that a person can hear. Those last words from the lips of the Lord Jesus that will continue to resound in in a person's ears, in a person's heart, in a person's soul for all eternity. He said to me, I never knew you. And the reason those are the worst words that a person can hear is because of the words that come after that in Matthew 7, 23. I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you is the same as we're reading here in this verse 32. Him also, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now, what precedes this, these words in, in Matthew 7, 23 of, I never knew you, is very interesting because it says many, in verse 22, Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me that work iniquity. So basically, There's going to be many people, as he said it, many people are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, on the judgment day. They're going to say something. What they're meaning when they say that is, Lord, Lord, you know us. You know us, don't you? We preached in your name. We, We cast out devils in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. We did lots of humanitarianism works under the name of Christian. Surely you know us. You have to know us. Because of everything we did in your name, we're famous Christian workers. And the Lord's going to look at them and say, Ah, I don't remember you coming to me, crying out to me for mercy as a dirty, rotten sinner. I don't remember that. I don't remember you submitting to my lordship over your life. I don't remember you waking up each day and and saying, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. I don't remember you even caring about my way. I don't don't remember. I don't know you as someone who was born again. I don't know you as a new creature in Christ. I don't know you as a person who ever said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. Christ liveth in me. I don't remember you, you standing up for me to those who rejected me. I deny you. And that's equivalent to God the Father turning to the Lord Jesus at that time and say, do you know him? Do you know him? And the Lord Jesus saying to the Father, no, Father, I really don't know him. I don't know him. And all of that before this terrible sentence rings out in that Matthew 7, 23, depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now, on the other hand, 
To have God the Father ask the Son, ask the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that believer? Do you know that person there? And have the Son say, oh, yes, Father, oh, yes, I know him. He did come to me broken and crying out for mercy as a dirty, rotten sinner. He believed into me. And ever since that day when he came to me in repentance, we've been good friends. So standing in that judgment and having the Lord Jesus stand up and defend a person is really to see the Lord Jesus as the advocate, as the lawyer, is to see him as the first, in the context of 1 John 2, 1, 1 John 2, 1. Little children, these things that write unto you, that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So for a person to stand in that judgment day and see the Lord Jesus mediate between that person and God to appease the wrath of God is to see the Lord Jesus in the context of 1 Timothy 2.5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I mean, it's frightening to think of a person standing there all alone with no help, no support in the final judgment there and not seeing the Lord Jesus as the one who steps in between. That's what the word intercessor means, steps in between. In Romans 8, 34, who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, it's risen again, who also maketh intercession for us. It's stepping in between. And this thought of of not having anybody there to to be for us, not having the Lord Jesus Christ there for us, is is terrifying. But this is wonderful where we have the Hebrews 9, 24, Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. That's the wonderful thing. To have the Lord Jesus confess a believer before the Father means to see him as the 1 John 2, 9 advocate, to see him as the 1 Timothy 2, 5 mediator, to see him as the Romans 8, 34 intercessor, to see him as the Hebrews 9, 24 us. How could anyone even think of standing there that final judgment without the Lord Jesus Christ being all of that for them. To have to appear alone without him is what the Bible calls the terror of the Lord. That's the terror of the Lord. That's the terror of the Lord, to stand there. And it's a good thing for us to think about that, to think about a person standing there all alone with that terror of the Lord. Why? Because the more we think about that terror of the Lord, the more we're going to give ourselves to become what the Bible calls persuaders, persuaders of people to come to Christ. It says that before it's too late, this is, this is what it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The more we know of the terror of the Lord, the more we will persuade men. This is the fuel, the thinking, the considering, the reflecting on, the letting of letting this terror of the Lord into us. The more we do that, that's the fuel that generates the burning passion inside of us to do whatever you want to call it, persuade the lost to be saved, evangelize the unconverted, share Christ. It's all generated inside of us by knowing the terror of the Lord. Knowing what that's, just imagining what that's like to have to stand there all alone in the final judgment 
And to hear those words, I never knew you, to hear those words condemned, to hear those words depart from me, to hear those words cast away, to hear those words abandoned by God into an eternity of darkness. In other words, we're only going to persuade. We're only, let's be honest, we're only going to persuade. We're only going to give ourselves to, see, try, to really do whatever it takes to get the lost saved if we know the terror of the Lord, if we know that. The more we reflect on the love of God, the more we'll put our trust in him. But the more we reflect on the anger of God, the terror, then the more we're going to persuade, as is put in Psalm 90, verse 11. Psalm 90, verse 11. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So after I told Dahlia in Jerusalem that I believed in Jesus, I told you her response, but my response, what happened to me is I, I felt such a relief. I felt such a relief. Why? I was trying to get the Israeli citizenship, and Mama didn't raise no dummy here. So during my whole year of seeking Israeli citizenship, I avoided saying anything about Jesus. Just, just didn't touch what for me was the most important subject in my life, Jesus. But as soon as I said to Dahlia in Jerusalem, I'm not beating around any bush here. I believe in Jesus. I experienced such a relief, such a joy. Okay, it's on the table now. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Do what you want with me, but I believe in Jesus. Tell me I'm no longer a Jew, but I believe in Jesus. Tell me that I, as a Jew, am a criminal for doing that, but I believe in Jesus. Deny me the legal right of return that my ancestors died for, but I believe in Jesus. Close the door to me like all the other nations did to the Jews during the Nazi reign, but I believe in Jesus. Bar me from the Jewish state of Israel. Put the sign up there in front of me. It says, no Jews allowed who believe in Jesus, but I believe in Jesus. So to be finally asked, what do you believe? And to finally say, I believe in Jesus, it felt good. I can tell you it felt good. Because every person on earth falls into one of two categories. Those who confess the Lord Jesus Christ and those who deny the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And the final judgment is going to be by the Lord Jesus Christ, who will either confess that person before God the Father or deny that person before God the Father. And as a person is, is to the Lord Jesus Christ before men, either a confessor or a denier, so will that person be before the Father by the Lord Jesus, either a confessor or a denier. So with so much at stake, confessed, denied before the Father, entered to heaven, don't enter into heaven, why would a person ever deny the Lord Jesus? Why? Well, there's only one reason. There's only one reason, and that is fear. Being afraid causes a person to deny the Lord Jesus. Having the fear of man center in the focus. And so God asked a question. Are you going to have the fear of man or are you going to have the fear of God? And he asks this question in Isaiah 51, 12. He says, who art thou that thou should be afraid of a man that shall die and of the son of man that shall be made as grass and forgettest the Lord thy maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid out the foundations of the earth and is feared continually every day because of fury of the oppressor? If he were ready to destroy, where's the fury of the oppressor? So this was the fear that the parents of a certain blind man had when they were 
called, summoned, and asked about this Jesus that healed their son, their blind son. And the record's given in John 9.19, John 9.19. They asked them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered and said, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He's of age, ask him. He'll speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. What a tragedy. Very tragic decision that those parents made. Who knows, that may have been their only opportunity in life to confess the Lord Jesus Christ and say that, yes, he exercised his great power, Jesus did, and he healed our son of his blindness. But when their time came to confess or deny, tragically, they said in John 9, 21, by what means he now seeth, we know not. Who hath opened his eyes, we know not. Yes, they did, but they denied. How terrifying to think of the final judgment day for those same parents to stand and hear the Lord Jesus repeat nearly their same words to the Father. Father, by what means they think I know them, I know not. How they claim to know me, I know not. So God's advice. God's advice is, instead of feeling afraid to confess Christ before men, it's an honor. It's a horrible thing for a person to be denied before the Father and condemned for eternity. And for many, they have no idea that they're in this category of condemned and about to be cast into hell. No idea. Why? Because of deception. And this is the ultimate deception. This is the ultimate deception for a person to think, I'm eternally secure. I am safe. I'm not in danger at all of being cast into hell. That's a fatal deception, and it all centers on people clinging to one word. One word that makes them think that they're safe from hell, and this is a word that they use in reply to the Lord that we are covered. In John 7.21, John 7.21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So the key to understanding this fatal deception is to look very carefully at the difference in the pronouns, the pronoun that they used versus the pronoun that the Lord used. Because the deceived, and these people were had the worst deception of all. I thought they are going to heaven, but they weren't. And it's very revealing. Here's the pronoun in Matthew 7, 22. Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, cast out devils? Nobody is speaking for themselves. 
they're speaking for a group. The deceived, it's all about the we. It's all about the we're part of a group. We're the conservative group. We're the Bible-believing group. We're the group that's right on. We're all part of a preaching group. We're all part of a group that casts out devils. We're all a part of a group that does many wonderful works, and we're the part of the group that does all those in Jesus' name. See, for them, it's all about we. It's all about we. But the Lord didn't see them, didn't see them as the we group. He is a different one, different pronoun. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not every one, not every one saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven. And then Matthew 7, 24, Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And so here we are in these verses right now of Matthew 10, 32 and 33, and he's carrying on with this same emphasis on these pronouns, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. In verse 33, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. The issue is this. The issue is seen in the difference between the pronouns of the we and the him. How could there be so many people who think that they're eternally secure, that they're safe, that they're going to be welcome into heaven with open arms when in fact they're lost, they're bound for hell? And the reason is because of this very strong deception, a deception that's all based on the supposed safety of being in the right group, of being in the correct group. In the case the Lord described, he describes this, yeah, they were part of a group, and they did all those things. They preached in Jesus' name. They cast out devils in Jesus' name. They did many wonderful work, and they thought they were secure because of all that. What could possibly be wrong with preaching in Jesus' name? What's wrong with casting out devils in Jesus' name? What's wrong with doing many wonderful works in Jesus' name? Nothing. Nothing. The only thing wrong was that they thought that was their ticket to heaven. They were thinking, well, we know that God wants good preaching. We know he wants casting out devils. We know he wants men with wonderful works. We're going to be welcome into heaven. And the ultimate shock is when they didn't hear, come into heaven. We've been waiting for you. Instead, they hear, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. We know when he said, I never knew you, he meant, I meant, I never knew you as individuals. He meant, he wasn't from Texas. He wasn't saying, I never knew you all. He was saying, I never knew you. See, they were relying on the we. They were relying on the we. And the Lord was saying, it's not about we. It's all about the individual. So their neglect of the individual relationship, individual relationship, irregardless of the church they went to, irregardless of the group that they were a part of, whether they were, irregardless of how much activity they had within that group, irregardless of that, the Lord was saying it's all about the person, individual, personal response to me. That's what it's all about. Him will I confess. Him will I deny. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these words of our Lord Jesus. And help us, Lord, as we, Lord, individually draw closer and closer to you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.